Welcome to The Dead Format, a podcast focusing on the legacy format and the New England magic experience with your host, Adrian. I, and I think Tin Fins is just, um, it could, it, maybe it's crack. Now we take you to the Red Room, where round one pairings have been posted. Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 111. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined with notable Eric Andre fan, Thomas Smiley. And we're here to, because pairings have just been posted in the Red Room. We've got a, uh, a very special guest, one that we've waited a long time for this guest, Adrian Avant. Welcome to the Dead Format. What's happening, kids? <laughs> This is a blast from the past right now. I I don't know. I don't know. No shit. I haven't heard. I haven't heard the pairings have been posted in the red room in a fucking long time. We can go. We can go back and we can just clip that and use that as our intro music this week, and people will be like, "What the fuck is going on?" (laughs) There'll be ten people though. It'll make the day for those ten people. (laughs) The OGs, the Celsos out there. The the Kermans. Yeah. Kerman will be like, I remember I was in fifth grade and I uh, used to listen to this on the bus. <laughs> but yeah, so Tom and, and Adrian, this is the first time you guys are actually meeting, right? Yeah, I obviously I listened to Leaving a Legacy a ton uh, when Adrian was on it. And uh, we, I don't think we ever we have ever played at the same tournament. Like Ian and Jim got me up to go play that 95, 94 format and stuff up at Rapscallion. Oh, and shit. yeah. No, Tom never got into old school, really. Yeah, oh, okay. Pretty much just been Legacy. But when I was in Worcester, I used to play at a, a store called Dragon's Lair East before I think the owner burned it down. Um, <laughs> Something like that. We're not going to implicate anybody, but yeah. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. I should edit that out. I'm not going to that. No, we stick with whatever, man. Yeah. You guys are both, uh, yeah, both, I guess, Central Mass. I'm kind of surprised. I, I figured you guys would have met at some point. Lynn's up in the east, though, isn't it? I don't even know where the hell Lynn is. Where is yeah, that? Lynn, it's um, it's right on the water. It's like 15, okay. 20 minutes north of Boston. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're up near, like, Lowell and shit. Right? I can swear, right? I don't have to feel too bad yeah, about no. that. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How, if, if I can't swear, I don't know how to talk. This isn't leaving a legacy. We have a, uh, we have a more mature audience, I'd say. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh... It's wild, man. I was thinking, you know, we we just talked about, you know, you being on this episode. We've we've had this plan to have you on for a long time, but we just actualized it this afternoon. And I was thinking back to like, you know, when I started listening to Leaving Legacy, and it was like, uh, it was the first ten episodes really when you guys Grand Prix New Jersey had just start had just happened, right? Yeah. And yeah, roughly. We're sort of in this place right now with the, the the pandemic where all the tournaments have been shut down. And it kind of reminds me of how I felt after Grand Prix New Jersey where I was like all all interested in this format, but I had nowhere to play really. And yeah. I, I only found out about that Z from listening to your podcast. And I think that it's a great time to have you on as a guest tonight because – 
I think that what you represent about the community is a different angle than the necessarily competitive. Like I, I recall the the debate between you and Jerry and Pat about what you wanted to get out of the game. And I think you're a good spokesperson for the the more, I don't want to say uh, casual, it's not exactly that, but the more community-based, yeah. I guess, element of the, of the, uh, of the game. That's definitely so, something I appreciate about it, yeah. Yeah, actually, that was always your, your mission, right? Like uh, with the, the common was... drives and everything? Well, I mean, yeah, there was, there was a whole lot of... The thing was, I started, I don't know, I, I ended up getting back into Magic. I, I played years ago, and I used to play at Dragon's Lair a little bit, and, and God, I was a kid. And it was so it was so funny, because I used to have, you know, back, geez, when was that, 90, that was probably 94, 95, and I had a whole bunch of cards and dual lands and all sorts of shit. And, uh, I don't know, one day I went to go get high, and I called somebody from a payphone. And as soon as I went to go get high and play, I'm like, oh, shit, where are my cards? And I left them at the uh, house. So and it was feeling. like, oh, it was a lot of dual lands. It was all sorts of shit. And I'm like, I'm never playing that game again. <laughs> like, not like, oh, not like I'm no. not going to get high again. Like, I'll not play that game again. <laughs> and and uh, so it was a long time before I even returned to Magic. And, and, a, a, and at a certain point, uh, something happened in life, and I had the ability to start looking towards... Um, how how to help what expendable income or whatever the hell, and I started looking towards playing Magic, but I wasn't really into the F and M scene. I wasn't into the Friday night hero take the you know. It's just it wasn't. I I got a kick out of doing one one of it. There was a place in Connecticut, Wonderland Comics, and they would do booster drafts. And with the booster drafts, if you bought singles, they were ten percent off. And I'm like, fuck it, I'll go do a booster draft and buy dual lands. Like, oh, I'm getting 10% oh, off yeah. dual lands, whatever. And um, and I started building up a legacy collection. And some of the people that I would dual draft with, I, I, I kind of got a kick out of. But then when I started to connect with the people that were playing legacy, there was a lot a lot less um, of a, I don't know, super strange competitive essence. And, and more people who were interested in card interactions themselves. And, and then people who were who had um, a better sense of interacting with each other too. I thought, you know, and I found like, um, I mean, and and really, Ian, you uh, you made a big impression. Anyway, because there was a, when it what was it GP Providence, whatever the hell it was, and somebody stole my deck, and you started. Oh yeah, putting the lands back, helped me put the lands back together to start putting ten fins back together. Oh god, I forgot about that. That was uh, SCG Providence, yeah. Yeah, and, and like there's, uh, but the people that I got to meet playing Legacy had more of a sense of concern for each other than the people that I would get to meet playing Standard or, or even Modern for that matter. Yeah, and and a lot of them were really, um, and and I've I've seen that. I've seen that concern consistently expressed through a number of people. You got less, you know, doing legacy and stuff that you, there's less people doing the binder grinding, which is just such a, de, I find that to be a degenerative action because <laughs> you have absolutely no concern over who you're interacting with. Um, and, and, but the people that I get to, the people that I get to hang around with were a lot of cool people. Like you were just mentioning Kerman and Celso and, um, 
so then at a certain point we started trying to find ways that we could contribute kind of to society as a whole and a lot of it ended up being like we could take comments and we could sell them back in and then we could take the money and donate it to we did the wounded warrior project i think we did saint jude children's hospital um and i think we did the american red cross but but the, the ability to do those things was part of what and we'd start seeing like it was just something that we thought about doing in worcester like if you wanted to bring comments we could take them and do that but then guys started to bulk their comments out and they're like you know if we ship them to you it's not going to be as much as if we just sold them here and sent you the money itself and i'm like shit i was just thinking about doing something in worcester and then these guys down in like evan down in atlanta you know they, yeah. they'd start doing their comments down there and then they would start doing it and it and like then where the hell did i go i ended up going to atlanta for something and he picked me up and brought we went over he brought me out to play legacy down there <laughs> we went over to the waffle house like i got to meet some really cool people in the legacy community and then even in the old school community just older formats like i'm not a huge i'm not a huge fan of commander you know like it's yeah. just legacy is really the only thing i had interest in and it's kind of funny when we were doing the 94 you know that one guy had a deck that was so familiar where it's like time twister fork and and like and like that was so much fun back then but I'm like, it's almost like you want to have a dollar limit when you're doing that. Cause I'm sitting yeah. there with like Lord of the pit breeding pits. And I'm like, there is no competition with this. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was my deck. I'll take responsibility. <laughs> no, that's no, that's, that's what I was trying to put back together. Was it, was it, was a thrall deck. Cause yeah. that's, that's one of the things I'd played during 94, 95. But the, um, but it was cool being able to get together and play some of the old. And you guys were doing, it was kind of funny too, Jim, with all those alpha sen gears. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you guys had all, a whole bunch of stuff going on. It was wicked cool. Um, there's a lot of really cool people that I got to meet when I was doing Legacy. And even when I was doing the cast, there were a lot of really cool people that I got the chance to interact with. If I wasn't, like, for example, I would I don't think me and you would ever cross paths, Ian. It's, it's highly unlikely. Yeah, I mean, because like you were up in the other end of the state, you only came down to T, right? Know. Yeah, no, right. that's that's true. I mean, it's 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 uh. So like doing the cast and playing Legacy gave me the chance to be able to meet people that I wouldn't normally meet, and, and guys who were more less interested. Yeah, like less yeah. interested in the, in the I got I got to take down BFNM hero. And more interested in like card interactions and interpersonal interactions, like and that was what was really, that was what was so cool about the um, the game was just the, a lot of the social aspect right up until, I don't know, <laughs> I don't want to go right up until, but like there was, uh, you know, at a at, at a certain point, and, and there was times where I'd bring my son to play a lot, and uh, that's awesome. I can't I can't wait to teach my kid to play. He's only three. So he sees the cards and everything, but he's not at the point where he can start to learn yet. But yeah. where you were talking about uh, starting, how all of the charity stuff um, started with collecting commons and making the donations. I remember listening to you guys like way back in the day when you were fundraising for the Wounded Warriors Project. And I thought that, that was just like the greatest thing. And that's one of the things that we tried to do when we started was yeah. make sure that we like interacted with, um, with some charities and tried to do some good with it. And, uh, yeah, we got to get back to doing that, but that, we really that do some of the best stuff that we've done. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really kind of cool because everybody's got commons and they're like, they're ready to just trash them. But when you start, when, when you find a way that people can actually contribute in a way of 
what it is that they have to contribute. Like, shit, you don't fucking, don't send me a hundred bucks or something, but if you got, like, you you went and did a booster draft and you don't want the comments and shit, fuck, send them on over. You know, make use out of them. And it's really kind of cool to see, and, and some of the guys, you know, we go to, like, SCG and shit, Kermit would show up with, like, seven boxes of comments from booster boxes that he'd yeah. been, like, opening and stuff. And, an and it, but it, it was it was cool to watch people, because one of the things that's, I mean, one of the things that's really... Um, what, how do I want to put it? One of the things that I picked up anyway, because there's a lot of things that I'll take in. One of one of the big motivations in a human being, anyway, is 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 contribution. And when you give people a way to contribute, and, and something that allows them to feel not and and to feel a part of, but to feel a part of something that's positive also. Um, it it, it it's a it's a deep sense. It, it's it really. It, it goes beyond the superficial, and what I got to meet was a whole lot of people that would go beyond the superficial with me, and that was that, that's the connections that I was making. You know, I wasn't interested in like, fuck man, some dude buying to grind and everybody over a fucking dime it was just, I just I, I had better shit to do with a Friday night than that. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. Have you ever read the book uh, Bowling Alone, or you ever heard of that book Bowling Alone? No. It's just about like the the sort of. Um, the decline in, in community activities that we have now, like compared to, you know, 50 years ago, let's say where you had like, you know, your community church, like bowling groups is, is part of it. I guess the, that was a popular thing once upon a time, sort of uh, block party barbecue sort of things that like the community does. What I find is that there's a lot of people who really want to help out want to give back to the community it just be a part of something but you know they're they're very atomized right now they're they're sort of alone especially or right really, now really small bubbles compared to how it used to be exactly that, that, that i think that was some of it too because like like on my own five packs of commons probably doesn't feel like it's going to affect much right but you get enough people doing that and it, it, it just starts to make a difference. Not like it's going to, and not like it's going to, it's not independently going to change the world, but it's not independently designed to change the world. It's independently designed to change something internally inside of me. And, yeah. and like that's, that, that's some of the things that other people get to experience too, which is just so cool. I remember a story. I, I can't remember which politician it was. I want to say, uh, I'm not going to say because I might get it wrong, but <laughs> so it was a, a new congressman. It was first day on the job, and there was like a sort of a intern, like a, a meeting for all the the first year Congress people. All the freshman class was up in a hotel on the same floor, and they went around and he knocked on the first person's door and said, "Hey, I brought my toothbrush, but I don't have any toothpaste. Can I borrow some toothpaste?" And they said, "Oh yeah, absolutely. Here." He goes and brushes his teeth, gives it back to the first person. Five minutes later, he walks out, knocks on the next door, and says, "Hey, I forgot my toothpaste." Uh, can I borrow yours? He ends up brushing his teeth 18 times that night, which is not harmful. You know, it's it's fine. But uh, 18 people had had a, like a personal interaction where they were able to help that person out. And yeah. even though you're asking for a favor from them, the relationship then becomes that they you owe them a favor at that point. So they're more likely to talk to you. You know, it becomes this sort of I know that you scratch my back, I scratch your back sort of relationship, right? And I think that 
in asking people to give you commons, yes, you take their commons, but you're actually giving them something, which is like a purpose for those cards that would have just been sitting there. They're able to help out. So like I Boy, really hit the trash, yeah. Yeah, I really appreciated you know, you for giving the opportunity to help people like that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really it, it was it was kind of cool cuz it was a way that that I, I mean, I had a bunch of comments anyway because I'd been doing drafts down in Wonderland, and I'm like, you know what? I got all these fucking comments I'm not going to use in Legacy, and these I can contribute. Who else would want to contribute? And what it also gave me was the ability to connect with people who would be interested in doing that, and like people with that internal motivation of how can I contribute, which was which was really the people I ended up interacting with because you never see somebody who's going to fucking spend their time with a binder grind and fucking say, how can I contribute to life? <laughs> like, how can I <laughs> fucking suck shit out of it? And I got so fucking tired of every, oh my God, people just, hey, you want to trade fucking that underground sea or whatever stupid shit? And I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck are you coming at me with? <laughs> like, it, it was just, it was just, uh, I don't know. And now I was looking at the price of, what the hell is an underground sea now? Is it really 500 yeah, it probably is. There's there's a lot of cards that in the last few weeks I looked at and were like, what what happened here? Well, there's I mean, something I know, wrong. I know inflation yeah. fucking exists, but <laughs> if there's no tournaments and the cards are that high, there's something wrong right now. Yeah, I th- uh, Tom has a pretty good theory. I think that you know nobody's able to buy cards right now because there's no tournaments, so there's no vendors at events, so all the inventory just dried up basically. Okay, okay. Yeah, like, somebody who has those cards, they're sitting in their Legacy decks in the closet. They're not planning on going to any events. They're not, like, selling them. And they're the people who usually turn those over just don't have the ability to anymore. All right, so you don't think they're sitting so much in everybody's commander decks? Well, I mean, they could be. Like, I, I really, I don't know how much, how much See, that... I got, there's one of my buddies. I haven't, I haven't played Legacy in a while. Um... And, and the only things I've done now is I've got two pre-con commander decks. Um, one, whatever the hell, the red and blue artifact deck that came out the same year as the Esper one that yep. does the miracle stuff. And the Esper one that does the miracle stuff is fun, but I cannot, it's like, it, it's weird. I'm in this position, like, I can't modify the decks. If I modify the decks, <laughs> the wife won't play with me. <laughs> But she doesn't play with me anyway. But I still don't want to buy the decks. But I got one of my buddies. He'll come over and we'll play Commander. And he does a lot of modern. And and I don't know. What the hell was that other format? Pioneer? I don't know if that's anything like modern or something. But he's got some modern decks that he put together. And it looks like there's a lot of things that got unbanned in modern. Like yeah. Stoneforge Mystic and, and Jace the Mind Sculptor. And certain things that like are now playable in modern. And I don't know how much he's been doing of modern lately because he started to get, I think, a similar sense of like, <sighs> I I don't, I don't, the the modern, it's weird. Like there was the, there was this, you, there was a, almost like a different sense of personality from the people who would be at Friday Night Standard and the people who would be at Legacy. And then almost like this weird blend of the two in modern. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and, it, and it was, it, it was hard to like, really kind of figure out or, or to, to determine what my comfort level was with who I was interacting with. Yes. And, I, and um, 
but one of the things that and that's one of the things that i really appreciated about legacy was it was a lot easier like um there were just so many fucking cool guys that would show up at te to play legacy that were just there to enjoy the format itself like and, and some of the interactions and to see to see each other you know, and to be able to play with each other, and, and I could say, "Oh my, oh, oh, good, I get to play against this guy again," and and not be sure what deck he's bringing. You know, and 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 then there were some guys I could be like, "Okay, well, I know he's bringing this deck. He's still good to play with." And then I'm like, "Oh, there's this guy. I know he's bringing this this deck, and I really don't like playing with him, but I get to spend the rest of the sun with a bunch of other cool people." So I just <laughs> fucking yeah. There's there's nothing better than like having that community at your store that you really enjoy showing up and playing with. I think that's happened like twice in all the time that I played magic where I like, I want to get that feeling back with that group of people because it was just such a good time. Um, the, I, and I think, I think the best for me is when I get to get excited watching somebody else kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> like like, like if, if I'm getting to play Ian and I'm watching him do what the hell was that fucking thing you were doing like noble hierarch or something? Yeah. <laughs> and like, and like, and I'm, I'm about, if I'm playing Ian, I'm watching him do something that I just have no defense against. I'm like, this is so fucking cool because it's Ian. You know, there, or, there has or, never like, been anybody other guys in the, the history deal. of Magic that said yes, getting attacked with a true name nemesis is awesome. <laughs> it, and it depends who it's by, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, oh yeah, because it, it, there's uh. Yeah, I mean, and, and sometimes I would just, I would just, typically I think, I mean, for a while, when, it was funny too, because when I first started doing Legacy, I'm just buying fucking cards and trying to jam decks together, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, because I'm not looking up deck lists, I'm just fucking putting together cards that look like they're fun to play, and then nobody knows what the fuck I'm doing, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I start doing, like, I don't know, Glimpse of Nature into Jace the Mind Sculptor, and everybody's like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I'm doing an elf deck with a Jace. I don't know, man. <laughs> it doesn't really fucking flow well. Like, it, it turns out there's better shit you could do. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. It, it's, it's funny, like, having you on, I was thinking about the dynamic of this episode, and it's kind of like... Um, you know, I don't think I would be here personally if I hadn't found you guys' podcast. Like, I, I specifically remember you didn't always you, – your mission was to release episodes on Monday, right? That was, like, your, your sort of – I think uh, that – yeah, I think that was my goal because it would, it would, like, you know, the weekend's over, but we got to get through the first half of the week before we start looking towards the weekend again. It was a nice way to – I think what happened, too, was the A-team used to release on Mondays, and they stopped releasing on Monday. Yeah. I think that's what it was, too, yeah. Yeah, and I remember one week specifically, you had not released an episode the week before, and you dropped two episodes on the same Monday, and I was just like, "Wow, this this is this is golden!" Like my week is all set because I was I was also like getting back in shape. I was trying to get in shape for my wedding was coming up at that point, and uh, I I was like, you know, going to the track a lot, and I was just like, "This is gonna keep me busy all week," you know. And I, I really don't think that if I hadn't sort of found you guys and found out that Jerry lived five minutes away from me and all that, I don't think I would, you know, still be in Legacy. So it's kind of like this ship's crossing aspect. There, there's This is sort of this analogy I was working up in my head a few minutes ago, so humor me. But <laughs> it's like you were in Legacy and now you're you're in this other place 
but you know we're we're meeting you here as you come back into this podcast and mm-hmm. there's there's this other aspect i think where tom and i are like ships crossing because i'm a millennial in terms of what year i was born but i think i'm i'm more of like a gen xer in terms of my personality whereas tom is technically a gen xer but he skews a little more millennial <laughs> where i'm not so i think that we're we're also ships crossing in that regard and then Sorry. all three of us are contrarians, so I feel like there's also – that's sort of like a yacht – our yachts are about to collide maybe. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I hadn't worked all of this out, but there was a – It started off It started off really great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Was, sometimes I glimpse the nature into a Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yeah. I don't know. Man. <laughs> it was cool. But, Tom, how old are you? I just turned 40. Okay, yeah. So you were, you were young when Dragon Slayer East was around. Yeah, so I think um, uh, it burned down in 90, 98, 99, and that was my freshman year of college. No way. Oh, yeah, wait, yeah 99? Okay, yeah, because I quit high school in 93. All right, so that's probably about right then. Yep. Oh, shit, was it around then? Yeah, it was. That was, that was the last year. And that's uh, so that was like the store that I started playing at when I was a freshman in college, and then when that, um, when that store went away, we all moved to TJ's. And that was like the first crew that I had, oh, just had damn, such a Donald blast, Milford. such a blast playing with. Yeah, see, that's one of the things that I get really curious about now because I've been—I mean, for a long time, you know—I watch the stores, and the ones that only do magic and focus on magic don't seem to live; they don't seem to survive. And then you got the ones that also do some sense of board games, um, some focus on board games, and do a little bit of magic. And then it, it's like it's stores like T that get into anything entertainment that also do magic like they, they seem to be able to thrive because that's not their only source of revenue you yeah, know when you, you get don't like, want to be looking to wizards of the coast right now to like keep you afloat they're uh, no and at the same time you get everybody so friendly. freaked out that they're gonna get COVID off a fucking card <laughs> like, <laughs> how much of that shit's gonna happen like it's it just it's it's so it's such a weird uh it, it it's it's I can't imagine trying to run a business on that nature at this point in time, especially with everything, all the fucking retail retail stores closing at the same time too. Yeah. Do but, you think but, you think it's going to go back to normal? Do you think it's going to go back to normal when there's a vaccine, or is there just going to be this like lingering sense? Uh, all right, of, dude. You want to get political? November yeah, <laughs> fifth. Depends on how political. <laughs> oh no, I know. If you're just going to get louder, that doesn't make you righter. <laughs> No, Tom's Tom's not gonna. No, I'm just I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Do I think? Do I think? Here's here's what I think. Here's what I know. Um, three weeks ago, I went and got a thousand rounds of nine millimeter for three hundred bucks. Uh, last weekend, we went and got a thousand rounds of nine millimeter for five hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. I was about to it, say three hundred's a great price. It it. it it, this not week normally, it not normally. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's normally twenty cents around. Now it's fifty cents around. In this state, I'll speak. I'll speak to where I'm at. Um, we've we've closed down and and almost eradicated small business. Yeah. Like, there is no, you know, I I've I've been lucky that I've been consistently working since this all began because I work in a machine shop and one of the things we make is a medical component. It's a stupid little fucking thing that we make, but it's allowed us to stay open. Meanwhile, everybody else has had extensive difficulties in trying to be able to maintain employment, largely due to 
I've never, I have, I'm, I, I'm, I say this, I'm, I'm yet to see the government solve a problem it doesn't create. <laughs> and, and they create another problem. Like, I really, um, the, the, and, and, yeah, I don't want to be all political because we're, <laughs> we're talking <laughs> like magic and shit. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, yes, yeah, so that's that's my political fucking ramblings for a minute. So as as it goes back to normal, what do I think people go back to playing cards? Uh, I think these businesses are going to have to find a way to function. They they they're going to need to be able to. First off, at this point, I'm watching, and I'm sure you guys are seeing it. You must know people. My friend's son has Amazon delivered to his house every day. Yeah. Like I mean, there's so many malls that are closing down, becoming Amazon distribution hubs. Yeah. That that in order to compete and to create a live event. I mean, it, we got restaurants that are like a third capacity with a tent outside. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how you get into like, you, it, keeping a six foot distance. I can't see your cards from this end of the table. You know, I was actually thinking about whether we could even do a game with a camera over the screen. <laughs> like, could that even? Yeah, no, people, function? people do that now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've seen, I've seen stores with like uh, splash guards where they put like plexiglass between the table. So you're sitting on, on okay. different sides of a uh, of a plexiglass. All right, and and what do you still have like? Uh, and what are they going every other seat for the people next to you along the table too, or something? Yeah, the the ones that I've that I've seen that have like, I thought done an okay job, and then you see like some stores that have forty people packed shoulder to shoulder, uh, just packing them into a sardine can and. There's also yeah, it's, uh, it's, there's also a four corners sort of plexiglass that's like this. Yeah. So each table is like, you know, a square table and then it has a plexiglass in the middle that goes both ways. I so saw you can that sort of, sort of thing like too. God, it, it, it's the funny fucking thing is the money isn't real anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a true story. Everything, oh, yeah. everything is just fiat except the reserve list. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, it's actually, I mean, I've been saying like, it's kind of funny. You're you're right there. <laughs> it's like the, the reserve list is like the gold standard of magic. Yeah, I mean, and one of the things that it related with legacy for a long time with me was always purchase real estate. Yeah. Always invest in real estate. Yeah, you know, just it dual lands and dual lands, and then, I mean, to some extent, lions eye diamonds. I had, I mean, when I was buying Mox diamonds, they were thirty bucks. Now they like, and, and that was lions eye diamonds Wait, were up. Now, with. now they're like what? How much are Mox diamonds? I think like two hundred or some shit. Double. <laughs> Double. You, you can buy list them for four hundred. Oh, are they five? Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, and that's so. And, and the funny thing is, like, you know, I I used to always say, always invest in real estate. And and what I ended up doing was selling off my legacy collection to purchase rental property. And, and now it's like this. The second thing I think about, because now I, a lot of times I'll say um, invest in precious metals. And half the time I'm, I'm like, I'm saying it kind of joking about brass, lead, and copper. <laughs> like, but there's certain artifacts, <laughs> like Lion's Eye Diamonds, Mox Diamonds. <laughs> like, and, and, I, and I'll tell you, man, I was doing this little Esper Commander deck. Because one of the things that was funny, that was wicked fun about the 94-95 format was that that kid with the Time Twister Wheel of Fortune fork deck, and I did that shit years ago. When you're killing somebody with an underworld dreams that you can't block that. Like, <laughs> like it's fucking hard to keep so much mana up for a circle of protection on that shit. Yeah. You know, but but the um, what was really interesting was the, the artifact deck, actually. 
it cast a psychosis crawler which does the same thing and then i think i had a mirror work so i made a token of it and then like <laughs> copy copied the fucking artifacts so there was another one and duplicated it because i forked it or whatever and then i drew four cards and did 16 damage and i'm like oh my god that's awesome like because because back then killing somebody with card draw damage um you just you couldn't like you could block a creature right you, you could block a yeah. creature you could counter spell a fireball all that shit but you couldn't you had no defense from please don't make me draw a card <laughs> <laughs> so it was really cool to play that kid's deck when he had that together like that and then to see that this still and artifacts will do it that way so as much as i i used to say you know invest in real estate i kind of wonder how much of investing in precious metals that that statement could translate into some of the magic cards. Yeah, well, I sold I sold some of my old artifacts and bought a house too, not a rental property. That might be that might be step two, but I absolutely feel that. Would you end up selling? Uh, I sold my power. Oh, okay, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. It's so weird too because it always seems like the demand for that. Like, I mean, it it holds its value, sure. It's just the the, the turnover didn't seem like it was so huge, you know. Like, they weren't fluid. Like, that, I mean, that was kind of the thing with currency, right? Is it's designed to be current and move? Yep. So it definitely takes it takes a little bit longer to find the buyer. Right. The, the higher the dollar amount goes for the for the sale. But for power right now, it's like, it's just so hot. If you wanted to sell it, it would probably be gone that day. And uh, pr- I think prices have pretty much doubled since I since I sold it to buy my house. It's, uh, okay. it's just crazy. Okay, so there, so there's a lot of buyers for for things like Time Walk and Time Twister. Yep, it's I really think. bucked what I thought it would do. Yeah. Hmm. So so what's what are some of the card prices? This is one of the things that's kind of funny. Is every once in a while I look up certain cards because I know a little while ago when they redid um, what was it like Show and Tell, right? Yep, they reprinted you know, it. Yeah, and they did, and they did it a couple of times. You know, and. The same thing with sneak attack. Um, so what's show and tell now? Probably show and tell. four or five bucks. Yeah, it went from a hundred to to sub sub five, I believe. Yeah. So trying, like, to, trying to figure out whether or not I should sell my tabernacle. Probably not now after this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends what you want to sell it to buy. It would. I'm yeah, trying. So I'm I'm trying to uh, refinish my attic, or finish my attic. So it's like. It's going to be a very expensive job, and I want to get it done like ahead of our time frame for it. So that's that's what I was trying to turn everything into. Okay. Wasn't Null Rod always a pick of yours, Adrian? Null Rod. <laughs> that was such a, yeah. I feel like you used to recommend that cool. card a lot. I used to like Null Rod. Uh, I think Null that's Rod like a fifty dollar card. Man. Yeah. But the, but there's certain cards like and the thing went through the breach that was always interesting too is you could actually pull it into modern. So right. it had like ver- versatility to format, um, and that's not you know I wouldn't, and of course I'm sure a lot of the decks have changed. It's it's at such a point, but five dollars on through the breach, and and <laughs> what did they I, that shit that's fucking low. What did they do a little while ago? They did that other. What did they just do? A modern masters or fucking double double masters? Double, double masters. Yeah, double so masters. We did, did like a reprint set. And well, they, they kept... just doubled the number of rares and everything in the packs. It's insane. Yeah. So now Entomb is still twenty twenty five bucks, right? But nobody's playing Legacy. Yeah, I think 
I, I think that most of the legacy has moved on to Magic Online. I'm sure that there are like local pockets of people that are still playing. But for legacy players, you talked a lot about how like there was a difference between the standard and the legacy player base. A lot of the legacy players are like older, more settled, and their big legacy would be going to like like a big paper event maybe two, three times a year. And just like having an awesome weekend playing cards and then like going back to their sort of normal life. And now that's just, that's gone. Like there hasn't been See, a Grand Prix and however well, long Eternal Weekend was, was on was online. I got a kick out of playing Legacy every weekend. but And a lot of it was the interaction with the people. Mm-hmm. And that, um, I never had that sense experienced in a digital format. Yeah, I, I like paper a lot more too. But I think I I definitely prefer like the bigger events, traveling with a group of people to go to more than like going to the store every week. I can definitely say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I agree, and I would say that um, it's it's tough right now to figure out like what that's going to look like in the future, right? Like I'm I'm trying to figure out because I can build. Just about any deck. I don't have Tabernacle. And that's really, I would say, probably the only thing that's restricting me from building Legacy decks at this point. And it's like, why? Like, is is this going to survive? And the thing with online, like we had this past weekend, the Mana Traders ran a 15k online, which is, is wild for Legacy. That was, okay. was that free entry, like the last one? Or was that paid? I'm not sure how the entry worked, honestly. I didn't consider entering, so... And there was also the mocks this past weekend and two challenges, like, every other weekend online. And it's just, like, this feeling where I I enjoy playing Legacy online, but if the paper aspect doesn't exist, they're, they're like... It's, like, the other side of the coin to me is, is online Legacy. Like, I don't feel like there is a community if there's no paper being played, right? Yeah, I'd feel that. So I, I, I just, I don't really know what to do right now, honestly. I, I've been thinking a lot about it. Like, what's uh, what's the future going, going to hold for us? Because, like, back in, I, I think back to the time when I started listening to this podcast and, like, Cons of Tarkir was announced in 2014 and they reprinted the Onslaught fetches, if you recall. Uh-huh. And that drove a lot of demand. And there was the Star City Circuit that was also bringing eyeballs in. We had that huge Grand Prix in New Jersey, and then there was the local scene and the Star Cities and everything. And it's like, you know, if that's just not going to exist in the future, you know, what 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 will, right? Like, there's a lot of these cards that I want to own for the sake of owning them, but those are more of the 93-94 cards, like the Dual Lands and stuff like that. Like, do I, do I need to own Lion's Eye Diamonds? Not really, you know? I guess it depends on the decks you want to play. Right? Yeah, I knew that that was going to be a dagger to you because you love LEDs. I think that I mean they're fun. I used to. What the hell would I? What the hell was I doing with them? Burning fins. Burning <laughs> fins would play them. Dude, that shit was awesome. <laughs> so, do you remember the first time that you decided to like pick up tin fins to play? What was because that was like your deck that you talked about so much on the podcast for such a long time. How did you start yeah. with that? Do you remember? My, 
Yeah, my buddy Flip. You probably know Flip if you've been to TJ's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked. Yeah. I so I worked. Big guy. Yeah. Yeah. Flip, Flip's fucking awesome. Like he he saw he saw me playing. He saw what I like to play. He's like, you might want to look into this card. Um, oh, Gorio's Vengeance. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Wh- why? And I started looking into it. And then I started seeing deck lists from this kid, Logan Crean, out of St. Louis, who was just fucking, like, playing this awesome, fun combo deck. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, that looks awesome. And, and it's it, it can go so fucking quick that you're not sure what to do with it. And I just started playing it, and I'm like, this deck is fucking awesome. And I do, like, he had it really well tuned with, um, oh shit, he'd use Serenity out of the board. Um <laughs> I don't think he did. He sometimes it might have it might have been playing silence, um, it, and and oh the fucking children of Corliss. <laughs> like yeah. That was that was the grossest fucking part to it because you could just you, oh my god it was so fucking cool, but then there was this other guy and I can't remember his name and I started looking up his list and he was playing burning fins, and and the only difference was. Um, with Gorio's Vengeance, you get Grizzlebrand in the graveyard, whether you entomb it, thought sees yourself, uh, whatever you do, and you bring Grizzlebrand back with Gorio's Vengeance or Shallow Grave. Um, Burning Fins was fucking awesome because you would like drop Lotus Petals and shit and cast. What was it? Um, Burning Wish. Yep. For yeah. for a sorcery out of the sideboard. And with Burning Wish on the stack, crack at LED and drop Grizzlebrand in the graveyard, go on the sideboard and get Exhum. Yep. <laughs> it was like, it was just, they were both awesome at just abusing Grizzlebrand. And, uh, but I started playing Tinfins because Flip was telling me I might want to look into this card, Gorio's Vengeance. And, and I started looking at decks that were using it. And Flip, Flip, um, yeah, I mean anybody listening to the cast, if you if you don't know if you know Flip, you know he's an awesome fucking guy. Um, and shit, you could probably be down in New Jersey and you probably know him from the tournaments he was doing anyway. Yep. Yeah. But he he was definitely right. I mean he, he it it was funny too because I'm like, Gorio's Vengeance. I've never even heard of that card. Nobody's played that in Legacy. But then when I started looking up this one kid out of St. Louis who was just doing and he took like first place in a couple of scgs with it too and i'm like oh my god that deck looks like so much fun and it's like it's it's it is it is it's not like if everybody's playing a storm deck they usually do in tests maybe ant um then it was just it, it was weak like it, it has its weakness because it's built on the graveyard so somebody brings in fucking ley line of the void <laughs> you know it it just or uh, rest in peace, or what the hell was the flash white creature? Containment, Containment priest. priest. Yep, that's yep. it. Yeah, and there there were just certain things that would shut it down easily. It was it was weak to all of the hate because the, everybody had graveyard hate, um, and it's really hard to hard cast a grizzle brand out of that deck. But it's uh, <laughs> it's one of the things that made burning fins a little bit more fucking fun because because you could do goofy shit a little bit more rapidly one of the things that was funny is it's the only deck i've ever seen play serenity which would get rid of all artifacts and enchantments so if they whatever they want to start with you could just cast that anyway it was really it was a fun deck that interacted with a lot but i started getting into it because flip was talking about gorio's vengeance and i started looking up logan crane and um and it turned out there was a whole bunch of people who were really 
working on the deck itself and and it was so funny because it was such a niche deck that most people didn't know how to interact with it because it's not a very interactive deck it's it's almost like playing fucking belcher like if if i have it you probably can't do much about it and if i don't have it i'm dead (laughs) (laughs) That, that sort of thing um but and, and there were times where just the, the way, depending on what was on the board, the way it could finish out was so different too because you could go for a Tendrils of Agony or you could actually loop enough times to hardcast Grizzlebrand and Emrakul and take an extra turn. It was just very, it was a very disturbing. <laughs> it was very disturbing. It was very hard to interact with. Um, the, the And the funny one was when I was doing Burning Fins, I figured if I was in Miami or where the hell I was, but I ended up playing against a guy who was doing Metal Worker. And I think um, he might have turned one, went like Chalice at one. And somehow I dropped like two Lotus Petals, a Lion's Eye Diamond, Burning Wished into Exome and had Grizzlebrand <laughs> on the field. And he's like, what the hell? I'm like, no, I thought I thought turn one Chalice at one was going to be awesome too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to apologize. I have to apologize, I guess, for calling St. Louis a cultural wasteland so many times because I didn't realize Tin Fins came out of there. So I guess um, that's that's one contribution. Two. Yeah, I'm not There's sure. I'm not sure. There's Nelly, yeah. Yep. yeah. And, and uh, I'm not sure if it came out of there, but I think Logan Crane may have. And, and he was doing. He, he did. He put extensive work into that deck. Um, and it was really cool following some of the changes that he'd make along the way. And why he was making them. And it was just... It, it was funny because... One of the things that I liked about it... And I think that's kind of what you were asking me about too, Tom. Was that when I sat down to play somebody... If I sit down to play... If I sit down to play somebody... And I do Forest Land of War Elf... Like, you know exactly what the deck is going to do. You know, you probably, you probably know what to look out for... For my next ten turns if I have them. Right? Or if I go... Turn one, um, underground sea deathrite shaman. You probably have a good idea, which I think deathrite shaman's banned now anyway. <laughs> yeah. But like, you probably have a good idea that I'm likely about to start trying to cast a shardless agent in a second. You know, or um, but if if I do like swamp, <laughs> badlands, <laughs> like you're probably not too sure what the fuck I'm doing. Scrubland, yeah. <laughs> Scrubland, Lotus Petal, pass. Yeah. You know, like, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's 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 a very, and and it's a funny thing because it's a very hard deck to. It was a very hard deck to see coming, um, and depending on how game one went, could determine what I wanted to do for game two. Um, but usually once you saw I, a lot, there were a lot of games where I could get game one, but you were going to get game two and three mm-hmm. because you knew exactly what to side and the mulligan until you hit whatever it was you were trying to fucking side in. Graft Digger's Cage, uh, Pything Needle on Grizzlebrand, <laughs> fucking something. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just, it was, it was a fun deck because a lot of people were really un, unprepared for it. And I think that's what made it so interesting was it was one of those, it was one of those decks where the card interactions became um, became so fascinating too. Like, 
No matter how many times I'm sacrificing life to Grizzlebrand, Children of Coalesce will give me all of the life I've lost this turn back. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like and 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 anybody else in in, in Legacies, like what the fuck is a Children of Coalesce? <laughs> <laughs> and like they're, they're worried about every other part to the deck, and really like that's the linchpin to the deck is the Children of Coalesce. <laughs> that's what made it so sad and so sick. Um. But I also I also really like playing Shardless Bug. I just liked a lot of the degenerate gambler combo decks. A lot a, a lot of it was ways to ways to abuse Grizzlebrand. Like like I think because at the time when I was doing the drafts, Avacyn Restored was released. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd be doing Avacyn Restored drafts down at Wonderland, and everybody would be drafting and looking for the angels or whatever, and. Um, you know, Grizzlebrand in a draft wasn't a huge like. It, it's hard to really kind of get them out when everybody's beating you down all the time. Yep. But and I there's certain cards that like. A lot of times I'd be doing drafts, and this was always kind of fun too. I'd be doing drafts, and I'd see some card with some crazy casting cost, and and people like, yeah, that's a commander card, and I'm looking at it going, you could show and tell that shit in, like, <laughs> like omniscience. Yeah. Right, like, and I'd see omniscience, and I'm like, "Man, you show and tell that in, and there's going to be some silly things you could do with that." And then, really, nobody kind of paid attention to it. And then, eventually, people started to use dream halls and show and tell with omniscience. And then they started to side it in instead of the sneak attacks, and because um, you can just drop Emmercole off it, you know. And like, there was certain, and, and Grizzlebrand was one of those like, "God, he's got a high casting cost. He's got to see legacy play," you know. And it wasn't so much a it wasn't until watching other people just figure stupid shit out like Children of Corliss and how they're going to be able to utilize all the life um, that it really, uh, it was just it was just fun because it was different. Yeah. And that's another aspect, too, that you touched on a few minutes ago that I think you sort of highlighted in the early days of Living Legacy that really made it more appealing to me was like the the regional aspect of it where like there's you know what they're doing in atlanta or what they're doing in miami because you went down to those places right like uh mm-hmm. in your what, how long was your run on leaving a legacy probably like front to back maybe two years at max i thought maybe one i don't know it was definitely longer than a year but less than two was yeah. it oh you know what yeah because we were casting we were casting before i bought this house and then we were casting for a while while I lived here, and I think I stopped. I stopped in 2016. Yeah. I, I stopped doing the cast, and yeah. um, shit. So that's four years, and yeah. So probably four years ago, I stopped doing the cast, and we were probably casting for a year or two. Yeah, because me and Jerry, we would go, we would talk about it at TE, and then yeah, really whenever whenever New Jersey was, you're right. Yeah, because I met you like the first couple weeks of 2015, and I've been listening to the cast for a while before that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we probably were doing it for a couple of years. Yeah, because we did enough. We did enough charity donations to contribute to th- at least three different charities, and um, and that would have taken time on its own. There were a few SCG events plus New Jersey. Um, yeah, and then we started meeting up with Pat too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, we probably probably did it for a while, front to back. And I was doing legacy. I was doing legacy for a little while before doing the cast too. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know, man. There was just like sort of a, a different vibe back then, and you alluded to this earlier without really diving into it, but I, I feel like there was a real inflection point in 2016 with, with regard to the way people interact with each other in the community at large and the online you know, uh, representations of the community, but there, you know, there's sort of a, a, a line, a, a dividing line between those two times. But I feel like part of what I think you captured very well back then was was like the the regional aspects of of the scenes, right? Like there was there was Atlanta and there was Boston and there was Miami and St. Louis and you know there there were all these yeah. different places. And I, I will I, I will say the places that I went, and it's not like I traveled a whole shitload, but I did. I played down in Miami. They were doing a lot of the normal decks that you'd see on the deck on decknet.com and all that shit. Um, you know, where they'd be looking up the deck lists, and, and that would be the build. You know, somebody would be playing Metal Worker. It would just look like every other Metal Worker deck you always see. Um, same Shardless Bug, uh, Miracles, all those decks. They were all... I, almost identical, right? And, and that could happen in Miami, and that could happen in Massachusetts. The the interesting thing was when I went to go play in Atlanta, because because I think one of the things that you probably enjoy too, Ian, was that it, it wasn't always for me. It wasn't always about looking up, you know, what's the, what's the best deck, net deck. Let me let me just put these sixty cards together with that fifteen card sideboard. I would do Jace out of Elves, like <laughs> whatever. Who cares? I'm playing a fucking game here, you know. But when I went down to Atlanta. First off, a lot of those guys were playing Thrag Tusk, which was just, which was like, not, not what you'd expect in Legacy, but they, and they were doing it fucking effectively. And then I sat down to play somebody, and and it's the only time I've ever seen it in Legacy. But he killed me with a jit on a vampire nighthawk. <laughs> that's brutal. <laughs> it turns out that's pretty fucking brutal. Oh yeah. I didn't. And, and I've never seen anybody else do that, but he, he got me with it good. I, I definitely didn't see it coming. I think he, like, dark ritualed into the Nighthawk 2 turn 1 or something. I'm like, what the hell is this? And then he put a gin on it and just started <laughs> my face in. I'm like, oh, my God. So, like, that there's certain – and that would be, to me, that's, like, a regional thing. Those guys would do in those decks um, because they did enough creation – to find what people were playing as net decks and they would find the vulnerabilities and exploit it, which is, which is, which is really hacking it all together. But, yeah. and then they would have these decks that would target the net decks that would showing up. And then these guys that were net decks and had to come up with something else to hit their local meta, yeah. you know, and, and it became, it became so cool. Cause by the time I went down there, I had no idea what I'm seeing. I'm seeing vampire nighthawks and thrag tusks. <laughs> like what, what is this? But it was, highly effective yeah it was so cool it was so cool because it was it was their creativity and 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 you could get to and i I could i could easily respect that and appreciate it yeah yeah and that's like you know the the cast that you were alluding to listening to before you started like you know heavy meta or the a team those sort of casts right they had this certain vibe like uh they were they were magic podcast right like you found them on what was the name of that site? mtg cast you found them in the mtg cast network right that's how i found leaving legacy yeah Yeah, me too but like all and there were several other ones like at at the time but none of them were like uh like any of the casts that we see now right like you know there's there's like uh gam or whatever it might be called now 
uh, magic arena decklist. I think it's called arena decklist. Arena decklists. Yeah. yeah there, there's like all these podcasts now that are like these super uh, spiky tailored podcasts, right? Like, um, okay, very much about like the the weekly tournaments and the the sort of meta. It's like the Star City Games article version of a podcast. It is like what the magic podcasts are now. Like, what podcasts have any character, Tom? At this point, oh, we we do. Yeah, we do. That's about it. I <laughs> no, I mean, leave, obviously, leaving a legacy still does. Yeah, I don't yes. listen to Eternal Dirtles too. <clears throat> That's right. So they still, so they're still doing the cast then. Pat and Jerry. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, oh, no shit. I, I gave you a shout out on episode three hundred, bro. <laughs> I swear to God, I did. <laughs> 300, that's like fucking, is that six years? Yep. No shit. Oh, yeah. That's crazy, wow. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, go back oh. and listen, bro. They, uh, you know, I, I I miss those guys, honestly. I uh, I became really good friends with both, you know, both Pat and, and you, obviously. You, Pat, and Jerry, I consider three of my very very close adult friends and you all feel very different spots i think in uh in my life and in my heart right uh, yeah. uh you know i'm uh i'm embracing my italian side lately so i'm gonna talk with my hands and i'm gonna be very emo- emotional <laughs> but so for those those with audio on yeah me. those with audio yeah, on i can can't, describe can't it this. he's got like a glint in his eye right now yeah and he's exactly. looking like up into the corner of his room with his his hands oh. turned up <laughs> shaking them like he's pleading with an invisible person on the ceiling um that's the look look that he's got going on right now i forgot you guys could see me (laughs) yeah no basically um yeah it's been you know there's been a lot of iterations of of leaving a legacy but when i joined that facebook group i was the 60th person if you recall adrian yeah, okay. It was right before. I figured you'd been earlier than that, but all right. No, I was I was number six, fifty nine or sixty, and okay. and uh, I remember going in there, and there was uh, Eternal Weekend twenty fifteen, and I was just posting yeah. in there, and it was like we were just dicking around, like it was just a, a group of friends, and now that literally is the legacy community at this point, like that that more so than you know the the legacy subreddit or the source or anything else that that used to exist that's sort of been left by the wayside like i wonder oh, really? how far you can go back on that page that's awesome to the beginning i i just did oh really oh yeah that's crazy it's facebook so the the uh the way they store the data is a little a little sticky sometimes but the caching but you can always find stuff if you if you search uh, specifically enough it's it's wild but that's pretty fucking cool yeah it is man it really is but i don't know jim wanted me to ask you adrian i have a a listener question for you how how's how's (laughs) how's uh first of all who's who's the best uh who's the best dredge pilot you've ever played against um uh boy all right so I say Josh Cecil. I don't know. That kid will fucking shuffle a ham sandwich and fucking impress me. 
but no, but uh, Jim's definitely the most proficient and enthusiastic fucking dredge player. Yeah. No doubt. And and it's funny because he knows the different aspects of the different cards that he'd fuck around with in dredge, too. Oh, yeah. It was cool. And then he wanted me to ask you, how's life as a slumlord? That was his, his other question. Well, um, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I, I, I told him, I, I said, dude, he's going to get pissed that you said that. <laughs> no. No. Some people just got shit to say. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, no, I really, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. It's, it's, the house is good. I create a place that people want to come home to. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. You, you did, you did a ton of work on that, that bathroom project. Oh my God. No, that just <laughs> took me a while. Holy fucking shit. Dude, I, I, it, was, it, was, it really, I had, I had to have three friends yell at me and just say, dude, you're not making the Taj my bathroom. It's fucking done. <laughs> And and eventually I had to let it be finished. Like, like you're not... Oh my god, there's only so many fucking serenities you can put in the sideboard of Tin Fins. Play the fucking deck. You know? Like, it's just... It was the same fucking deal. I'm like, no, the bathroom's done. Get the fucking apartment rented. Yeah. And then the guy the guys moved in there. Shit, what's he been here? Three years now? Oh, nice. You know? Jeez. Yeah, no, everybody wants... I mean, the, the way it's worked, really, I try to create a place that people want to come home to. I, I had to get some of the tenants out when I took the building. Yep. Um, they left saying they were going to miss me, and then the people who've moved in have been here and fucking like, yeah. There was like once they were arguing with each other, and that's in the past three or four years. So it's it's I wouldn't know what it's like to be a slumlord. That's awesome, man. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. I think... Uh... This was definitely one of the most enjoyable episodes from my perspective. I don't know how many of the listeners are going to appreciate the 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 real OGs are going to really appreciate this episode. And oh, that'd be fucking Adrian who. <laughs> <laughs> well, then fuck that, you know, because ultimately, the fuck, red room. What the what yeah. the hell? Oh, oh my god, I forgot about that shit. I'm one hundred percent going back and getting that. That's our intro this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That'd be, that, so that'd be Lita's voice then if you're actually able to find that and crop it or something. Oh, man. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. No, she used to, she's, yeah, it's kind of funny. She's a sweetie. She's such a sweetie. So, and we set a date. So, yeah, she's a saint. That's what she's saying. But that's what she's saying. <laughs> so so we, we set a date for October. And then they're like, oh, well, you know. So with all the COVID shit, we set a date for the wedding of October. And then, uh, oh my God, no dance floor. My buddy's going to DJ. It's no dance floor. That, that makes like the introduction really kind of odd. Yeah. Then they're like 25 people. And then you get a count, but then you get to count the wait staff as uh, part of the 25. What? So no. Oh yeah. Oh, it's, it's ludicrous. So, and we were going to do it at my friend's house, right? But now you got everybody with their fucking camera going oh my god they're having a cookout <laughs> gotta find them it's just this is it's it's really yeah maybe maybe we live in interesting times yeah <laughs> this this past year is definitely definitely the most interesting bro we had in i went back home for fourth of july mm-hmm. and we just sort of had a thing on our block where if we all do it the cops can't arrest all of us and right. uh Dude, it was it was amazing. Tom, you might want to cut this, but 
Yeah. We, uh, it was awesome, man. It was just like, you know, before this shit ever happened. And it, it was so awesome for that one 24 hour period. Like, I'll always remember that, you know, like the sort of neighborhood solidarity. And we ended up, my, uh, my stepdad crashed through a beer pong table at 4 a.m. of our neighbors, neighbors like high school kids were having a party that they invited us over to. It was like, uh, it was like the 1960s. Like I imagine the 1960s hmm. were like where all your neighbors just get together and uh, throw, you know, just all throw in and have this big barbecue, fireworks, and just you know give give a big fuck you to everybody. It was awesome. Is it? Is is? There's no need to cut all that, right? <laughs> I don't. I didn't know where it was going honestly when I started. So. Oh okay. All right. Because I'm thinking like. The whole fucking deal, right? They, I mean, they can't arrest us all if we all fucking stand outside. And and at the same time, if they're going to arrest everybody on the fucking block and release people from the prisons because they're worried about spreading the COVID, we got our priorities are fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> That's just I'm, some of the some of this shit has gone so fucking stupid. Yeah. With 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 it, it's it's um oh. That's a good way to go out. That is. 